On this week's show, we're joined by Stephen Poacher. Stephen is a renowned Gaelic football coach and has been involved with a variety of high-profile teams over the last number of years. On the show today, Stephen was our first guest to actually share his own coaching philosophy. He talks about the importance of all members of the team reaching their potential and that how coaching at all levels can be fun and enjoyable for all. Really good in-depth discussion. Really enjoyed the show. I hope you do too. Delighted to be joined this week by Stephen Poacher. So uh, anyone in the GAA world will know who Stephen is. Uh, former coach with the Carlos senior team. Uh, a huge amount of experience coaching Gaelic football. Uh, PE teacher by trade. And a lot of people will also know him for his work in coach education. So Stephen has been known to travel the length and breadth of the country delivering uh, workshops and also organises some uh, really, really successful coaching events um, up uh, er, around his home school. So, Stephen, thanks a million for coming on. You obviously place a lot of value on Coach Ed, so I'd like to start off there and maybe uh, we could talk through some of that. Yeah, Stephen, listen, thanks very much for, for having me on. Um, always great to chat about coaching. A uh, huge passion of mine. Uh, probably all I've ever known, uh, to be honest with you. Um, from the time I went to college, I suppose, in, in Manchester in 1988, uh, I started managing the, the Gaelic football team over there in 1989 at 19 years of age. So it's coaching's been engrossed in my life for, from as long as I know it. Um, you know, I tell you, probably one of the things that you talked about there, coach education as a passion. Um, I, I suppose it's I've always been a learner, you know, as, as much as, as an educator. And I've always loved to learn. I, I hope to be a resource things and always love to go watch other teams training from other sports and you know in the past I've, I've been a much professional rugby professional soccer um I've watched a lot of Gaelic football teams training as well you know I've watched some hockey sessions and I've always gauged the opinion <clears throat> that um for me uh, Stephen the greatest resource we have as coaches is each other and I've always said that and I suppose about still go back about 12 13 years ago the GA used to run their national coaching conference in Crow Park and they, well, they still do, a very successful one every January. And I uh, took a dander up to it one one uh, one year, I think it was 2008, and they were doing a games-based approach to training. And they had Michael McGeehan uh, from Coach Ireland doing a pitch session with the Donegal minor team, football team. And everyone sat in the Hogan stand and watched this session. And then there was a lot of inside stuff. Jason Ryan spoke that day, who at the time was was a very young manager with, with Wexford. And I remember just getting to speak to him re- really briefly that day. And I was doing a bit of coaching myself at that stage, along with Damien Barton from Derry. And uh, I'd been doing a bit of coaching with Damien, but I was still playing. But I'd actually broken the finger at the time, and it wasn't in great shape, the finger. So I, I had an opportunity to manage a senior team in down, uh, called Unraked, which was Marty Clark's club. John Clark and James Colligan and Brent McVeigh, who all would have been part of the, the ten team. And the opportunity came about because I was coaching, or sorry, I was teaching in Moran at the time in Kilkeel. And... Um, call came out of the blue. I didn't expect it at 29, 30 years of age. You didn't expect it. But uh, I just remember speaking to Jason Ryan under the Hogan stand that day and I just pulled him for two seconds. I says, look, can I have a quick word with you? And I says, like, what do you think? Am I too young for this? He says, you're never too young for it. You know, seize the opportunity, go for it. And it was probably the best decision I made, you know, and I sort of stepped away from playing at 30, which was very young, of course. And, and you know, you do harbour some regrets with it. But um, the, the point I'm probably coming to is that on that day in Crow Park, I came away with an idea thinking, because I really enjoyed that, you know, seeing a pitch session from another coach, seeing ideas and some of the ideas that, that he displayed that day, I would still bring into the training even now, you know, and you can adapt the games and things like that that you can do. Um, Cody happened to be there as well with the Kilkenny minor team. 
with the um, I think it was Fogarty, his his trainer was doing the pitch session for hurling, and it was equally as enjoyable, you know. But the stuff I gained that day was was phenomenal. But it was the it was the evening time, and was a laugh here. It was the it was the we stayed on the Friday night. We stayed over on the Friday night. It was a few pints on the Friday night in the Skyhorn Hotel. You're interacting with other coaches, and you're having a bit of crack. And you know, Pat O'Shea was there from Kerry, and you know, you're just you're chatting to these people, and it's then you really get a sense of, you know, we can we can learn so much off each other, you know, and. Okay, so the few points in the bar and those informal conversations, you, you learned a lot, Stephen. Yeah, you know, Stephen, and that's that's the thing, you know, it, it's it's it was then it was that social interaction. It wasn't even so much watching the presentations or you know watching the pitch sessions. It was actually that interaction with coaches and and having that chat with them and and that banter. And it's and as I said, they were listening to me just as intently as I was listening to them, despite the fact that I was relatively inexperienced, you know, and and at that time, and it's just everyone looking that extra edge, even they're looking that little bit. A little bit extra, you know, that, that one little thing they can bring to their training that might make a difference, you know. And I've said, if you can get one thing, you know, you know, if you can take one thing away with you, it's hugely beneficial. But when I came back from that to school in, in Kilkeel and St. Columbus in the morning in 2009, I thought, could we run a, a, a coaching day? And I, I spoke to, to my colleague at the time, Shadow Mahong, who was teaching with, and I said, oh, you know, I, I think I have an idea that we could run a coaching day. And, and so we, we came up with this mad idea of running a St. Clubman's coaching clinic, we called it in 2009. Uh, and it started an idea that started in a small office in, in Bourne, uh, you know, developed into the largest coach education event in the north of Ireland last year. Even, you know, with, with 350 coaches there in Newry last year in St. Dustin's. But uh, go back amazing, to, amazing uh, numbers. Unbelievable. Hugely humbling. And people sort of say, you're not the sort of boy that would be humbled. But I actually was that day. It was, it, it, it took my breath away, Stephen, to see. You know, something that was a one-man event was more or less grew to, to one of the largest coaching events in, in, in the country. But going back to the day we started the, the thing, we decided that what we would do is, <clears throat> I said to Cabby, I think coaches don't want to hear other coaches. They want to see other coaches in action. And I think that was the biggest thing I took from the Crow Park thing. And it's disappointing because I know a lot of people have gone on that angle now, just the last few, few years. You know, companies have started a lot more practical based stuff, Stephen. But back then, or even 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 now, there's a lot of even the GA coaching conference now. I'm not a huge fan of it because it's death by PowerPoints, it's death by presentations, and people want to see ideas that they can bring back to training. You know, and I think that's that's the biggest thing I got from it. You know, and the first day we the first coaching one we ran in St. Clemens in 2009, we had the great John Morrison was the very first coach we presented, and I'll never forget him. You know, John was a fantastic character and uh, a huge inspiration of mine. And it was only probably after John's sad passing that, that you realised the impact Stephen he had on so many lives. Oh, um, unbelievable! Um, like uh, myself and Niall, uh, we would have been uh, games promotion officers in with Dublin GA, uh, and again, similar to first couple of coach ed workshops we would have had were were with John and. Like the influence he's had on my coaching, uh, right from my very start, has been phenomenal. And a, as you said, um, it's awful sad when he did pass, but the outpouring of people who he touched in terms of and, and helped in terms of his coaching and in their coaching journeys is phenomenal. It it absolutely is, and I have to say he is probably one of the main. He is probably one of the main inspirations behind my passion for coach education, Stephen. You know because. It was John's sessions in Armagh, in, in, the, in the hockey pitch in Armagh, just across from his own house, actually, in cathedral, in the cathedral part of Armagh there, where he um, where he would have ran a few sort of Tuesday night sessions, you know, helping the Ulster, uh, uh, Ulster GA out and things like that as well. And 
like the stuff you got from those were just invaluable. So it was the first fight to call anyway. And uh, Gal Murray from St. Coleman's was also asked down that day. You're talking there about having uh, that you really value the practical element of the, the coach ed. So uh, talk us through that. Are you talking about then, in, in your eyes, you, you want to see more of people doing sessions, explaining why they do the sessions, what works, how to tweak it? Or are you talking about people just observing? How's that interaction work? Well, you see, people always said to me about, um, you know, why do you give so many ideas away at your coaching days and your coaching clinics and stuff like that? And it's not so much giving ideas away because I know that I can present them in my own unique way, Stephen. You know, I can present them with my own personality, my own humor. I can add in what I want to add in, you know, specific to that person I'm working with. But coaches want to see ideas. Is, and what I mean by that, Stephen, is probably practical game-based ideas they can bring back to their own training you know and I think I think what happens is you know you, you, you go to a coaching day you listen to a PowerPoint presentation about someone telling you their background which you know you don't really get anything from it then they tell you a little bit about what is effective coaching okay well we can read that in a book you know but but can you give me two or three little nuggets that I can bring back to training so for example going back to the coach education day in Joseph's there recently in November where we had 350 at it. Colin Nally done a pitch session. Connor Lavery done a pitch session. Bernard Jackman done a talk. And, and Boris Theresa done a talk as well. But the two pitch sessions from Lavery and Colin Nally, Lav showed about seven or eight games, Stephen, uh, transition games that you can use. Now, from that game, and I'm always a big believer, a game is a, is a tree, okay? So from a tree grows branches. So you've got the game, which is based up, okay? And then what you should be thinking as a coach, you should have a creative head in you. And you should be building branches from that tree. So I could take a game, and I have quite a creative brain when it comes to coaching. So I could look at a game, and I could maybe in in my head instantly think I could make three or four games from that. Do you know what I mean, Stephen? You know, and I think I think coaches have that creative brain. Like my own father was a welder, and I was sitting here on Saturday, and I, and I was chatting to a neighbour across the road, totally social distancing, of course. And uh, we were chatting across the road, and and he was talking about the good old days and he was talking about his own father and things like that and I said my father had a creative spark for welding and he could have seen things creatively Stephen you know he could have made candlestick holders curtain holes things gates and stuff you know and some as coaches we've all got creative brains so what we want Stephen as coaches is we want that spark that's just going to ignite four or five ideas you know Callum Nally gave about eight or nine ideas that day and you could branch out you know from his ideas and, and make things then your own you know but it's about it's about taking ideas like a magpie you know taking ideas and, and, and obviously trying to make them your own and it's just a bit like last week like PE teachers for example like I'm looking on the internet all the time for stuff Twitter's a wonderful resource right at the minute and you're looking for stuff all the time that you can actually you know give back to your own youngsters in school and I see stuff on it and stuff but that's okay that's not great that looks good but I could make this my own you know and, and that's important like last week I spoke Connor done a, a webinar and the Dublin Games Manager and I was looking at another minute he gave us a couple of ideas on a couple of games and, and instantly, Stephen, while I was watching these games, I was writing down two or three things that I would do differently in yeah, that game. So, you know, Stephen, can I jump in there now? Because I think that's a really interesting yeah. point. So I think sometimes people's perception when they go to a coach education, whether it be a workshop or seminar, whatever we want to call it, they go looking for gimme games, gimme drills, give me whatever. But yeah. I think the secret in it is to be able to adapt it to your own team or to your own players or to your own coaching style. So I think that's a really useful one. Can you talk us through your process there? So are you thinking, oh, my God, I can use that game with 
X, Y, and Z teams, or I could use that t- game in school, or is that suitable for a senior team, or maybe oh, I can think of adaptions that I can use it with everybody. Yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, you know, you can adapt every game, Stephen. So I'll answer the question, but you can adapt every game. For me, you know, the step process to adapt every game, for example, you know, the step process is, is space, uh, uh, time, equipment, and players, you know, and for, for uh, just, just for talk's sake, you're running a scoring exercise. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't call them shooting games or scoring game because you want to use positive language when you're talking to players. So we're running a scoring game and it's a senior level, Stephen. So your scoring game might start 45, 50 yards from goal. But if you're running that same scoring game with another 14 team, you might start 25, 30 yards from goal. Does that yes. make sense? You know, so you would, you would adapt the space, you would adapt the time. So for example, if you're running the senior game for 90 seconds, you might run the under 14 game for 40 seconds, you know, and, and you're just, all you're doing is you're adapting. You use the step process to adapt the game, but the game itself, the question you're asking is, the first thing I always say at coach execution days that I run, I always say, one, I'm not an expert. And I don't believe there are any experts in coaching. But what I have is I've got a, a base of experience that I'm willing to share with you. And hopefully the, the experience that I have gained, you know, will, will obviously help you because the greatest resource we have is each other. And the second thing I'll say to the coaches on the day is two simple things. So two simple things, Stephen, at a coaching day. And then I always say to the coaches, if, if we're at a coach education day, if I'm facilitating one or running one, the first thing I'll always say is that I'm not, I'm not an expert in coaching. And I don't believe there is any experts in coaching. But what I believe is that people have built up a base of experience. I'm lucky that I've built up experience from under 10 right up to senior to county level. And I'm willing to obviously share my experience, which hopefully in turn, they can take something from it. And the second thing, Stephen, I've always asked them is to remain open-minded. You know, and what I mean by that is, is to, to look at the session and think, I like what Stevie's doing there, or I like what, what Niall's doing there, but I can do that a little bit better and this is what i would do and you're thinking and you're remembering before i leave i says and if you do have a better idea make sure you give it to me before you leave you know but the um no but that's that's the key you know that's the key thing Stephen. it's just about remaining open-minded and, and, and actually trying to, to paint the picture in your head of how you see it and, and listen not everyone can do that some people Stephen, just like the information handed them and spoon fed to them as i would say you know so you're spoon feeding as you said these little games and there's four or five games why do you give those four or five games away, Stevie, on Twitter? Or, or why do you share them? Well, I'm quite happy and content to do that because I know how to adapt that game and make that game four or five times better. And I also know what way I'm going to present that game with my own personality and my own okay, style. Okay, you, you mentioned I mean? personality and style now twice. So talk us through that. So we, me and you both have the same game, the same drill, but obviously we're going to present it quite differently. So how talk to us now. How, how can a, a coach out there, how can they put their own spin on things? How, how can they change their style up to suit their, their players? Well, I, I think, Stephen, it's very important to remember in coaching, okay? Every coach is a good coach, okay? Every coach is a good coach, and every coach will bring different attributes. So, for example, uh, Peter Donnelly, for example, from Toronto. I, I would have been Peter up to uh, Ballyholding a couple of times I, to take the club team. I had him down in St. Clubman's doing one of my coach education workshops one year. Uh, he was successful uh, when it was again. But Peter Peter uh, was the Tyrone coach for a number of years and highly regarded across the whole of the country, right? And I, and I had this picture of Peter before he came up to me. You know, Tyrone, real edge, you know, and bringing that real edge and that aggression, different things like that. He was actually a very placid, quietly spoken coach. You know, that was his way of coaching. And, his, and he got his message across, Stephen, just as effectively as I get my message across, now my personality is completely different. 
I'm 110 mile an hour in the training ground. You know, I, I'm energy, I'm enthusiastic, I'm passionate. I'm also quite humorous. You know, I, I add in a lot of humor to training because I do believe, Stephen, that in the current climate that we work in and we live in, uh, you know, players go to football for a release. You know, football should be a sanctuary, Stephen, where players enjoy themselves, where they're allowed to express themselves. You know, and I try to make that environment, Stephen, as enjoyable as possible. You know, and it's probably links me back into my coaching philosophy, you know. And, like, every coach should have a coaching philosophy, Stephen. And, and if, if people don't know what a coaching philosophy is, it's very important. People sometimes mix a coaching philosophy, Stephen, with a coaching style. That's completely different. You know, like your preferred style of playing. My preferred style of playing with Carlo was a very deep-lying counter-attacking style of playing. Just from the simple point of view being is that that's what suited us best at that time. My, my coaching philosophy, or sorry, my coaching style when I played, with, when I coached Mayo Bridge or coached at Rick, was a, was, was a much, much more of offensive coaching style. You know, and you have to adapt. It's the same with the county minors. I'm currently coaching the down county minors. We'd not be employing a deep line def- counter-attacking system because we have enough good forward to play a different way, Stephen. You know, so your coaching style and your coaching philosophy are different. But a philosophy, more or less, Stephen, is is a is a set of values or, or, or principles or beliefs that are unique to every coach. And, and every coach should have their own coaching philosophy, you know. And, and it took me a long time before I actually put the pen to paper on mine. Uh, it would have changed quite a bit, but over the last number of years, I suppose, down here, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll read it out to you, but over the, over the last number of years, you, you know, I would have had this, this is my philosophy, it would have been installing the togetherness in a group of players, providing a high-level energetic coaching environment, which will help players reach their potential while also having fun. Everyone is treated equally. Individual, whether that be the coach or the player, is more important than the team. Star of the team is the team. You know, and, and you're trying to create an environment which which is, is allowing players to step out of step out of their comfort zone, Stephen, but not take them out of their depth. And I think that's the key okay, thing. Okay, you know? Stephen, you touched on about twenty things that I want to come back to here, but I'm gonna st- considering. Thank you very much for sharing your philosophy with us, by the way, because we speak a lot about it on the show. But uh, I think that's the first time anyone's actually read it out, and I think that's maybe it's the first time that someone has said that they've actually written it down um a load of stuff in there th- that you talk about equality you talk about togetherness uh releasing raising the poten- or, uh fulfilling your potential you talk about fun so i think a lot of people listening might be thinking well they might be surprised at that um how long though is that c- constantly evolving for you or how did that evolve for you how long are we talking did it take a long time or how how long have you been even aware that you had a coaching philosophy? This this was something that I would have obviously, you know, as as you progress as a coach, Stephen, as you learn as a coach, you know, I'm a great I'm a great um, advocate of, of John Wooden books, you know, John's huge. I mean, I'm actually sitting here now in the book right to the left of me here now as we speak. So we work with that. Maybe like Coach Wooden, and I've, I've at the minute of about a hundred pages highlighted <laughs> and annotated as well. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, some of the stories you take out of it are, are fantastic. I'll probably share one later with you about a teacher. But uh, you know, the the, the philosophy, back to the philosophy, Stephen. For me, you know, it was something probably I would say that I've probably taken little bits throughout my career and added them onto the paper. So, for example, installing an togetherness in a group of players, right? That's something that I pride myself on everywhere I've gone in school. And I suppose this started in St. Clubman, Stephen, uh, in Mourne. Mourne's a very unique area in town. 
and it's a very, very, uh, it's an area that's very, very passionate about Gaelic football. And we had this little thing called the Mourn Spirit. You know that Mourn's very unique, and any down teams who were successful, uh, whether it be the 60s or the 90s, or whether it be the re more recent teams like the the under 21s who were beaten in All Ireland final in in 25 and or sorry 2006, or the minors that won in 2005, or the, the, the under-21s that were beating the All-Ireland Final in 2009, the seniors that were beating the All-Ireland Final in 2010, any of these teams always had a backbone of Mourn players. And those Mourn players are the Unraked, Longstone, Valley Martin, Glasgow, and Ali Cole. They were the five feeder, school, feeder clubs into our primary school, Stephen. We had a fantastic spirit in St. In St. Clement's. Unbelievable spirit. Be the smallest vocational school in Ireland to win an A, an a title at the school's level is unheard of. 125 boys in the whole school. And we're working up against schools like St. Paul's Bestbrook, like the photographs that are hilarious. Final whistle blows, and I'm celebrating them in 2007. And the stand in, in the Jerry Arthur stand in Clonus, with about 4,000 people in it, and I'd say 3,800 of them are St. Paul's Bestbrook fans. And there's this small little pocket in the corner of lunatics from Bourne celebrating, you know, and it's that shows the size of the two schools. We were going up against schools, Stephen, that year who were nearly, literally, literally 10 times the size of us. It was our spirit and our belief that really give us an edge over a lot of people. Okay, now, Stephen, how how do you develop that? How do you develop something such such a thing as togetherness and, and, and belief and stuff? Because maybe a lot of people listening will be very concentrated on their tactics, their skills, etc. But now, this is it. You're throwing, you're throwing a spanner in the works for them. They're thinking, well, how do I do this? Well, listen, you know, I did the same at Carlo. I did, I did the same at Ballyholland. You know, I did the same at, at, at the down uh, underage teams. Like, you're, you're trying to build a, nearly like a siege mentality, Stephen, you know, and, and it's it's nearly, a little bit of, it's nearly like a little bit of psychology. You know, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Alex Ferguson, you know, and, and you know, how he used to circle the wagons and everyone hates us type thing, you know, and you don't go in and, and start saying everybody hates us, but what you do is you look at the positives and you say, look, we're very unique here. Right? We're very unique here. Uh, and I suppose in school, it's, it's different. So I'm talking through school first, even because school was very easy to do because you had them all day, every day, you know, and they're together. And I used to say to them, look, this might be the only time you play together outside of school, you know, because not everyone's going to play county football. These are special times. You're constantly installing that in them. You're, you're obviously doing small little bits of group work with them in classrooms. You're you know, you're taking them away for the day. We used to go down to the Leestone Road, which was only a mile down the road. We used to get into the tide. We used to walk them to the top of the moorings as a group. You know, team building activities, even which 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 we would have done. Like Boxing Day was 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 traditionally every year. Boxing Day was traditionally our, our hike up the top of of, of Kilbrony Mountain, the Clockmore Stone. You know, and we would have taken them up. And even at the top, I might have done something mad, like pull a Tyrone jersey out of my bag if we were playing a Tyrone school. You know, and say, look. We're up here, Toronto down here, you know, and small little things that, that psychologically the kids would have looked back. And like those children still talk about that 15 years later, you know, and, and that's, that's, I suppose, is, is in school it's probably easy because the other thing about school, it's other thing to consider, Stephen, is you're influencing young people, and young people will hang on to every word you say as a PE teacher, you know, and I hope that's easy. But like of Carlo, outside influences made that easier. Like we had a great morale and a fantastic bond like i'll never forget my second year with them you know in 2008 and i suppose it's very bad wacky way of coaching too the, the boys probably seen this week we had three national league games and the first three games and then we had a two-week break right if we win our first three games 
we'll all go out as a squad. Like, and I took the wife and the kids down that weekend, actually. And we played Leitrim at home and we dismantled Leitrim and we absolutely hammered them. And we were sitting top of the league with three wins out of three. And the year Oak Club had run a fundraiser, uh, like an Oasis tribute night or something like that, you know. But obviously within Harlow, there's club rivalries. Year Oak absolutely despised Rathfilly. So Rathfilly would have been Brendan Murphy's club and Brendan would have taken a huge amount of stick off the Year Oak supporters one year when he was injured in the club game and was taken off with a dislocated shoulder. And I think, I don't think everybody realised the extent of the injury and he got a wee bit of stick. And, you know, it sort of stuck with him for forever, Stephen. You know, that he, he, he obviously had this animosity towards him, you know. And that meant to see even him standing in that club with every other member of that panel was just huge, you know. And that's what you have to try and build. You have to try and build that togetherness. And people look down at inter-county football now, Stephen, and if we beat those in the championship, for example, uh, by 11 points in Port Leash, and one of the lads' brother owns a brewery in Carlo. And he, he, he designed a new beer called 56 South. And he handed in a creative it after the match. And there's a brilliant photograph of us in the cheese rooms in Port Leash after we beat Louth in the championship by, by 11 pints. Everybody's having a beer. You know, every single member of the panel is having a beer. And I, I still have that photograph here now. And I'm actually going to get it in the next few weeks because they're great memories to have. And two weeks later, we went out and beat Kildare. You know, absolutely hammered Kildare. You know, so like, Sometimes I just think the fun's taken out of inter-county football, Stephen, and you've got to ask yourself the question, like, you know, outside of Dublin, Mayo, Kerry and Tyrone, like, really and truly, you could throw Donegal in there, let's be honest, Galway's never going to have it, but like, if you, if you throw if you throw them sort of counties in there, who else is going to win the All-Ireland? You know, so if you're not going to win the All-Ireland, you're going to have to enjoy it, Stephen, you know what I mean? And that's the key thing, and, and this, is, this is the point I make about the National Leagues. The National Leagues are your best competition at county level, so they're the competition that you should be focused on more, and it's unfortunate that we're in terrible conditions. But we would have had a great, we would have had a great morale and a, and a great togetherness in Carl, and we would have used outside influences as well to create that siege mentality, Stephen. You know, and we would have used the criticism that we would have taken as well, and you know, we would have, we would have, we would have kept ourselves very, very tight and very together. You know, and listen, it has its benefits, but sometimes it maybe can go against you too, in the fact that it leaves you. You know, nearly a, a target. You know, and it, and it does leave you. Yeah. So I'm just curious on that. So um, maybe some of the 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 criticism or the the uh, the leaving you were targeted maybe for playing really really defensive football and people mightn't have been. Uh, a big fan of that style of football but as you said already um that you adapt to uh you adapt your teams based on the players you have and the competition you're up against so what what's the what's the secret how do you do that how do you sell that okay lads we're going to have to play really really defensive here or how do you set or how do you decide that you're going to go all out attack or how do you get that balance or that mix well i suppose what i'm asking is if there's someone listening and they might be thinking, Jane, I'm going to play all-out defence with me under-15s to win a, 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 a county B championship or whatever, that maybe that they might be a little bit short-sighted. I suppose, Stephen, a couple of things, you know, and, and this is, I actually spoke to Daniel St. Ledger about this. Daniel's a great lad. Uh, since I've stepped away from Carlo, obviously, we still stay in touch with quite a number of the players. I'll probably go in once. The green light will go and we'll play a bit of golf as well. We, we played a bit of golf last summer myself, him and Robert are, are, are good golfers and we will go and, and pick a bit of a golf. So we got a good pick. And, you know, one of the things I said to him was what was disappointing is that you're 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 always having a constant battle, Stephen, to convince players, particularly not within the group. They go back to their own club, Stephen. 
and then they listen to cynics and they listen to guys saying, ah, what are you playing that way for, you know, and it's nonsense, blah, blah, blah. And it sometimes can leak into a player's head. So you need to be reinforcing your game plan all the time. You need to be reinforcing the, why we're playing it, how we're doing it. So what you do is you back theory up with stats. So when we went in at the start with Turlock, Turlock handed me their last three seasons in the National League. So I went in in 2017, Stephen season. It was there in 2017, 2018, and 2019. In 2016, Carlo finished bottom of Division Four with a minus 27 score difference. Okay, or it could have been it could have been actually a lot worse than that. And they had conceded over 120 points in seven National League games, which was something like I don't know. You can do the maths yourself. I think it's 18 points a game or something like that. You know, so I'm saying to Turlock, if we're conceding 18 points a game, how are we going to be winning football matches? So it was a it was a huge call, obviously, but I'd seen enough the previous year in their championship that I thought there was there was something there to work with Stephen in 2016. I had done three sessions with them, just drop in sessions before the Wicklow game and the qualifiers and before the Cavan game, you know. And they went to Presley Park that day and played an incredible performance. Playing a very, very late lighted down version of, of what I had wanted them to play. But anyway, go back to 2017, we installed a, a system early doors, Stephen. And in the first game away to Westmeath, we got a draw uh, in the first National League game. And we thought, right, Mullingar, way to Westmeath, you know, a place they hadn't won in a long time. That's a great result. So I think we're on the right roads here. Okay. So the second game was home to London. The lads decided to drift away from the game plan on the field. And I, I could see it happening. We made a couple of early changes after 15, 20 minutes. And total humiliation, beating at home to London, second National League game. And I was thinking to myself, what have I done? You know, because it was uh, it was madness. But I think it needed that, Stephen, to show the lads, here is the benefits of playing the system. So the following week, there was a break in the National League and we went to Cross Midland and we played Armand at Challenge. And Armand had a decent enough team out. And we won by a point. We played, we went down to Armagh with a very, very skeleton panel. A lot of lads were working that weekend because we'd thrown the game in very late in the schedule. And lads and stuff with different issues and all, and couldn't get away and, and the likes of that. It's a long track as well for them. So anyway, we went across the lane. We won by a point. And we went on to win, Stephen, believe it or not, 13 out of the next 14 National League games over the course of two years. You know, we won four of our last five in 2017. And we won six in a row in, in 2017. And then we won our, our first one in, in 2018. So, like, you know, it was, it was a phenomenal turnaround, you know. But I think it needed the London game to show, look, lads, here's what happens when you don't play like this. You know, so, and it was probably towards the end of my last year with them, Stephen. I think I was running low in energy. You know, I was doing a lot of traveling. I was doing a thousand mile a week. Having to constantly reinforce a message to lads who were, Probably getting poisoned at their clubs was very difficult, you know, and you're, there's only a certain level of energy that you can probably give any any team, you know, before you, you sort of hit a wall. And it was at that stage, Steve, and I had sort of probably hit a wall. And, and, and I think it, it's very, very proven that, you know, if you want to get results, if you want to get results, you've got to look at a number of things, Steve. And first and foremost, you've got to look at, at your history. You know, what has gone wrong? What do we need to improve? You know, what have we got? What tools have we got here to work with? You know, and, and, and that's the key thing. I've always said before, and I, and I still insist on this, give me a 
a team like Cora Finn and I'll play a different way, you know? Yeah, so just on that, Stephen, so like even you're saying with your, with your uh, down under 17 team, you're going to play a lot more attacking football and I've been at some of your coaching workshops when, and I've seen the attacking stuff that you do. Um, so uh, like just so that people don't get the wrong idea, uh, like you'd be... Uh, I would imagine that you'd be a very much an advocate of developing those the, the basic skills v- very much first before you go into this sort of um, structure and and or any of that defensive stuff if that's what you decided to play. Well, yeah, listen, it's no doubt about it. You've got to, what you've got to do. It's very straightforward, Stephen. Like you, you've, there's got to be a base of of skill acquisition in, in in any session. You know, you've got to have you've got to have a, you've got to have a period in your session for skill refinement, whether that be you know, underage level or senior county level. And funny, McGuinness last week did a webinar and I listened to a bit of it and it was very, very interesting that he talked about the first landed in Donegal and he asked him to do a simple hand passing drill, Stephen, right? From the end line to the 14 yard line, groups of three facing each other. Something you would see up and down the country at underage sessions, you know, very, very simple drill, straight line drill, give the ball, right? And he pulled it in after 30 seconds. He says, what percentage do we have here? And Went back out again, pulled them in again. What percentage we have here? 85, 90, maybe. Not good enough. We need to be doing these things at a hundred percent pace at intercounty level. And something even that I would have insisted on, you know, in the warm up, I would always be shouting 200 touches in the warm up. Every touch is an important touch. First touch is critical. You know, just little key buzzwords, you know, presentation of the pass, make sure the pass is presented in the right manner, make sure the pass goes to chest. No loose passing, you know, strike the ball, follow through, and zip the ball. You watch Dublin the way they pass the ball, Stephen. They pass the ball like a basketball team. You know, it's not, it's not we floated 10 yard passes, zip the man's chest, you know, and that's something that I'd be mad keen on. And funny, I've done a little video last week with the girls in the garden, a wee coaching video on, on presentation of the pass. I'll probably share it on Twitter. But it's about, it's about young people present the pass in the right manner. That's not a green, Stephen, at an early age. It's very good to get those bad habits out of a senior player. You know, and I've noticed that in the past. And, and Marty Plant struck a real good chord to me when he was chatting about his team in Australia. He says, Steve, if we had a 25-year-old who couldn't kick pass the Aussie rules court, he didn't kick pass. He says, because it was too late for him, development-wise. Do you know what I mean, Stephen? You know, so sometimes you've got to play to your strengths. You're going to work with a club side at senior level. Underage level is completely different because you've got that window of opportunity. You've got that sponge. Now, before the age of 12, 80 to 90 percent of their technical ability is acquired before the age of 12. So if you get Barney McAleen used to say to me, he would get the young lads in Jordanstown, Tyrone, Derry, Donegal, Armagh, Down, best footballers in Ulster. And he says, Stevie, at 19, 20 years of age, these lads looked fantastic in a short sleeve t shirt, biceps bulging, veins on the arms. They couldn't kick past the ball, you know. And, and this is the key thing if you don't get them at a very young age, Stephen, and you don't ingrain those basics into them. You've lost them, and that, that's that's true. You know, you, you've lost that skill development, that skill acquisition. Yeah. So, 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 so basically, what what you're saying is that um, if you don't have that base level of skill, that you're limited in your, in your options and what you can do. Whereas, if you do develop, if if those um, guys who come up through the te- uh, the, the, the kids games and then the, into the teenage years, if they have the base level of skill, you can basically play whatever way you want. Then, because they have that base level there. Correct. There's no question about it, Stephen. And this is the thing that we would have prided ourselves on in, in school as well. I start every warm-up in school, the exact same warm-up every day. And the lads, the lads, they're tired of it. They enjoy it because 
they're constantly engaged with the football. Simple little exercise in groups of three, and we would do eight to ten minutes, and it's you would be talking about two, three hundred touches of the ball, Steve. Two, three hundred touches of the ball, and every touch, and you're trying to get them. I set high standards for them, and I say, look, pull them in. If it's not going well, pull them in. That's is this good enough? You know, what are the standards we're trying to set? You know, you're you're, you're trying to create an environment in that you're trying to excel, and you're trying to again just back to the team for us. Really, you're trying to help players reach their potential, Stephen. Not you know, and I suppose I think back to my younger days, and I went up and I was talking to the nursery last week, and I was giving off to him. I was lying in, in in my sister's house, and he's lying in bed with a PlayStation and watching videos, and you know, and in the chair, and I says, "Get out on the side of that house." Where my mother and father used to live, I says, and hit that wall with a with a ball like I would have done myself when I was younger. And I was laughing at my dad one day. I says, the driveway used to be a basketball court, football pitch, tennis court. I remember putting a bloody golf ball down it. You know, like it's, it was everything, Stephen. You know, and when you were younger, like I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I, I'm quite competent in any sport. I would have, I would have played tennis to quite a high level. Believe it or not, a lot of people wouldn't know that, but. I, I would have I would have finished runner up in a in a Nurian Moore tennis tournament when I was fifteen. I, you know, I played a, quite a bit of golf when I was younger. I played I played Gaelic, I an all Ireland medal for triple jump. I played soccer to a decent level. But like I, I wasn't a master of anything, but I, but I enjoyed everything and I enjoyed all sports. And that came from believe it or not, that just came from self practice when I was younger, Stephen. That came from chipping a golf ball into a net in Mummy and Daddy's garden. It came from hitting a tennis ball off the wall. It came from kicking a football off the wall. I was acquiring those skills at a very young age. When you know, before science came in and told you that that was the right thing to do, you were just doing it because it was enjoyable and you didn't have a mobile phone or you didn't have a PlayStation. Yeah, and I think society has has changed, unfortunately, uh, in that sense, a lot of it. So, given all that, Stephen, in in terms of you talked about skill development, uh, the tactics, you talked about your coaching philosophy and and everything uh, about uh, realizing potential and and, uh, equality, etc. So what does the term successful coach mean to you? Well, a successful co- coach, some people might measure it in trophies, you know. Um, and for me, I don't think it should be measured in, in, in trophies or, or, or league titles or likes of that, Stephen. You know, I, I think, I think it, should be, it should be a number of things. Um, I suppose, for me, um, you're looking at making a difference. You're, you're, for me, one of the most important things, I think personally, people might think this is a bit cheesy, but I don't see the players as players. I see them as people, Stephen. You know what I think? The whole person and, uh, you know, making a difference in someone's life, I think is very, very important. And particularly, I suppose I can come from experience, Stephen, in that and I had a good conversation with, with Gary O'Kane from the Irish News about this a number of years ago. I hadn't spoken about it up until last year. And I'm quite comfortable speaking about it now. And I've spoken about it in other coaching conferences. Back in 2006, uh, in in St. Cummins, I would have had uh, I would have experienced 13 suicides in 12 months, and every one of them were directly related to the school in one way or another. Stephen, um, a number of past pupils, uh, a number of, of staff members, uh, uh, children, a number of, of pupils' relatives, a number of, of uh, you know um, neighbouring school pupils. It was it was a horrendous time, and I never forget. And funny, a friend of mine had said to me last week, "Jesus, you must have went through a tough time back then." And I says it was horrendous. But what actually happened that year, Stephen, was that little team in two thousand seven came along and won an Ulster title and won an All Ireland title. And but it wasn't the titles that made the difference for me, Stephen. It was what they did to our community, 
and the lift that they give a community, you know. And I remember back to the Ulster final, a young fella called Patrick Gartman from Enraked. He had just lost his mother that week to a tragic, tragic circumstances. And his father, a couple of years before that, had also committed suicide. In the same full forward line, his 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 clubmate Damer Flanagan had lost his first cousin Connor Walsh to suicide that week and had wrote the words Walsh along his forearm, you know, in, in the final. And we played Vestberg that week, and it was a horrendous time for the school and the community. But one thing that it made me always take with me for the rest of my life, Stephen, is as a coach, you can make such a difference in someone's life, you know, and not just on the field, but off it. And I think that's one of the values, I think, that was identified, I think, by, by uh, one of the Carl, uh, Carl Robert wrote an article, I think, in the Pen one year or one month or and it was quite humbling where he said it's not just Stevie's coaching skills, but it's his people skills, you know, and, and it's how he gets to know people. And, and, you know, I think if you're doing that and you're maximizing the best that you can out of your resources and your players, you're doing well, Stephen, you know, I think that's crucially important. But I suppose, you know, if, if you're looking at, at, you know, the traits of a successful coach, you know, you're looking at a number of attributes too. You know, you're looking at, you're looking at, 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 at as Wooden would call it, that level of industry, you know, hard working, uh, the enthusiasm. I think enthusiasm and industry are two key attributes that, that he attributes to good coaching and successful coaching. And I, I probably rival anyone to match my enthusiasm for it. But I think another thing that is maybe worth noting as well, patience is such a key attribute. And, and I used to say to Mark Cole at under-17 training, I would say to him, things might go well for the first six or seven players that I would say, maybe trying to wee, maybe we're trying to wee offensive pattern, you know, taking the ball in or whatever. And, I said, look, look, stick with it. We can fix it. We can fix it. You know, and that's the key thing. You have to have patience. You have to be able to instill a bit of character in them as well, which is vitally important, Stephen. You know, show your players. And the great John Morrison used to say, players don't care what you know until they know that you care. Show your players that you care. You know, and I, I think, I remember coming out of some of the meetings that we would have had with Carlo before team games. And I remember getting text messages on the way home in the car or small little voiceovers from some of the players saying, you nearly had me in tears tonight, you know. You have to show your players that you care that means something to you. You know, never stop learning. Wooden used to talk about in his final year of coaching, he was still learning, you know, after being so successful. Love learning as much as you love the coaching, you know, and communicate. Communication is so, so key. You know, how you can go through coaching or managing without being an effective communicator is impossible. It's completely impossible, you know, and, and, and I think inspire Stephen you've got to inspire young people you've got to inspire the people in your care and again you know as well probably the key attribute is is your man management you know and, and one of the greatest man managers I I seen in operation was my own father you know and I regard that he would be held in among quite a few of the lads here like that he would have been a soccer coach but he would have coached the likes of Benny Coulter and Ronnie Murder and Ronnie Sexton Mickey Walsh and Stephen Kearney and Danny Hughes and those lads all went on to forge successful careers were down and I would still speak, you know, about the father in, in high regard and how nice a man he was and how great it was to play for. And, you know, and that, I know it was a different sport, but it's the same key principles and key philosophy still apply. Oh, 100%. Coaching, I think know? coaching is coaching across any sports. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned earlier on, we can learn from from each other and from other sports. And, and I think the best coaches are always trying to do that. You mentioned John Wooden uh, and you're a big fan and that you had a book there beside you. What would the best book or resource you'd recommend to anyone listening? I, I would pick, you know, listen, a couple of good, like Mickey Hart's books are good, you know, particularly the one knocking down Heaven's Door from 2003. Uh, 
some key messages in Mickey's book from 2003, and I remember thinking back to, you know, he talked about the complacency. He references a school game where he was coaching some Cairns Balagoli in Tyrone, and it was very interesting for me too because we were obviously as well in the same competition. Going to play in the All Ireland semi final against the Connacht winners at the time. I can't remember the name of the school, but they were from May or Galway or whatever. And he had gone to watch them playing in the Connacht final, Stephen. You know, we'll win that game by 20 points. This is what he was coming back down the road thinking, you know. And he said it was a lesson he took with him for the rest of his life. They won the game by a point after extra time or something, you know. But he says complacency slipped, just slipped in, you know. And just picking up those little nuggets now, obviously, the stuff that he talks about is, is fantastic. Uh, Stephen, you know where he talks about obviously the, the, the 2003 team and how they how they all created a CD with music and uh, Lord Rester Michaela, his own daughter at the time, I think she was in charge of of putting together the, the, the CD and they all learned the national anthem in Irish. And you were talking about installing the gas and a spirit, Stephen, in the group. You know, there are little things. You know, the, these things that matter to a group. You know, that inspire a group or or, or keep a group. You know, sort of together. And it's it's. And I remember going to watch them in 2004 in the championship at Park Esther. And the national anthem was on. You know when we sing the national anthem, it's a we're all quiet and nobody's afraid to really sing it. They and Nuri, their own players were in a huddle and they were bellowing it out like a real passionate rugby team, you know, arm to arm. And you could hear the, the Irish, the national anthem, their identity, you know. And there are wee things, Stephen, that I would have taken from books. You know, Jim McGuinness's books the same. Those books are, are, are brilliant. But for, for knowledge and, and trying to be a better coach, Wooden's fantastic, Stephen. You know, he's absolutely fantastic. But in the, in the more recent book that I'm I'm sort of I, I don't really read them I more sort of note-take on them you know and, and I, I've scribbles all over them and stuff people probably say you ruin a good book but it, it's important because it, it, it obviously you know what you're looking for in it but uh, his, his his recent book I'll tell you a quick story oh, yeah, go, go, go. Time, I'll tell you a quick story where he talks about this chapter about striving to be a good teacher you know and the importance of being a good teacher because Wooden was obviously a teacher and you know for me Teaching is very much like coaching. Um, even, you know, it, it really is this, the same key attributes of play. And, and if you think of, of some of the great coaches as well that are about now, you know, a lot of them are, are, are teachers as well in their own time. And But they talked in this book about an anthropologist who was, who was studying the small culture of a tribe who lived on an, on an island in the South Pacific, you know. And these people were, were wild primitive. They, they had no contact with the outside world and, you know, so he was looking for a real fascinating story. So after spending a bit of time in the island, the, the anthropologist, were, were, he sort of gained the, the, the confidence of one of the tribe's healers, you know, which was obviously the equivalent to our doctor, you know. And he said, I'm looking, he says, I'm here this two or three weeks, he says, but I would love to really meet the most important man on the island, he says, you know. And the medicine man agreed or whatever, and, and the two of them set out and they started to march themselves through the jungle and, anthropologist sort of on the way he was starting to get a bit suspicious and he thought well we must be going to meet the high king he says you know anyway the the the, the, the medical man or the medicine man stopped anyway and he, he, he pointed over to a small clearing in the forest and it was this hugely thin you know real weathered elderly white-haired gentleman standing with a huge stick and he was surrounded by a load of young people a load of young children and the anthropologist said to him so that's your king and he says, the king, and, and he looked at him confused, and he says, you, you said you wanted to meet the most important person on the island, so I brought you to see our teacher. So it just goes to show you that even though they were a very, very primitive, small tribe, they realized the importance of, of, a, of a really good teacher, and that's probably the key message, Stephen, you know, uh, teaching, coaching, guidance, 
it's it's all the same, you know. Yeah, it's so I think important. It fits in nicely with what you talked about in terms of your own coaching philosophy um, and, and realizing that potential. Last question, Stevie. You've been superb with your time, so thank you so much. Um, your top tips for a developing coach. First thing, and I said this to, I got a phone call coming down the road from Carlo one night, and it was a southern number. I didn't recognize it and I answered it. And the gentleman from, from Waterford, he was taking up his first coaching job uh, with, with Waterford ladies team. And um, he said to me, like, I just, I just want to know any advice in here. I just, I just said to him, it sounded very primitive and very basic. I says, take a blank page and a pen and start writing. You know, and I, and I think that that's that's the important thing. I have a small little black book here. I filled about three or four of them. Little books that my wife bought me one year. And I could sit and see, and this might sound bad, but I could be sitting one night and just jump off the chair and run upstairs and start writing stuff down that maybe just over my head. And, you know, have a pen and paper. You know, never stop taking notes. Uh, never stop learning. I think that's the key thing. You know, learn as much as you possibly can. Um, I spoke to a fellow coach on Saturday. Uh, he's working with me at Bransford, young Keir Brannigan. He's he's a lot younger than me. He's a very very innovative coach. He does a bit of soccer coaching as well. And it's about the game and, and great coaching. He's reading a couple of great books at the minute on transition play uh, from Klopp and Guardiola and the likes of that that you can obviously you know bring into to Gaelic as well. But he said one thing to me. He says during this time of of, of uh, COVID nineteen and people being in lockdown and, and the likes of that, he says it's a great time to upskill. That we wouldn't have had, and, and he's right. You know, even in a fantastic time for me, step back and actually just go, whoa! And even doing the likes of this for yourselves, I love talking about coaching. You know, and I, I think that probably leads me on to my last piece of advice: don't be afraid to lift the phone for someone and, and, and speak to them. You know, before Carlo played Kildare in the championship, I know I'm talking about the county level, but the same thing applies at underage level. But before Carlo played Kildare in the championship, I would have lifted the phone to Malachi O'Rourke, Rory Gallagher. Um, you know, uh, Paddy Talley, Peter Donnelly, just to get their advice before the lads played at Crow Park. It was the first time 85% of them had played at Crow Park. I just gave the opinion of, of people who had been there quite a bit. Any advice, you know, simple advice like rather than run a constructive warm up, give them free skills kicking into the goals because kicking into the hill in our end, you know, just simple little things like that. I know that's county level in Crow Park. The same key principle still applies, Stephen. You know, don't be afraid to lift the phone to someone. What's the worst they can say to you? No, I don't think any coach is going to say no to you that are are not don't give you their time. If anyone rings me, I do try and get back to them. It's very very hard to get back to them over the Christmas. You're constantly getting emails and texts and things like that as well. But you do try and get back to most of them. You try and, and help them as much as you can, Stephen. I would say that you know I've shared ideas with so many coaches at so many levels, you know, across the game, and and I think that's the key thing. You know, reach out to someone share ideas and and, uh, and never stop yeah, learning. That brings us nicely back to one of the first things you said that uh, at the very beginning of the chat, you said that the, the greatest resource we have is each other. Um, Stephen, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, your passion and enthusiasm for coaching is, is jumping through the screen at me here. Um, I got loads out of it. The way you talk about sharing and being open-minded and adapting um, your your coaching to, to your teams and to your players uh, you're sharing your coaching philosophy and all about helping people reach their potential and I love the way that even at Intercounty you're not allowed, you're not afraid to say that it's, it's allowed to be fun uh, so I think there's loads for people to take away so Stephen thanks a million Thank you for listening to the show we hope you can take something from it that will help with your own coaching journey as always you can listen or subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify and SoundCloud and you can find us on all social media channels at Bubble Coaching on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
please get in touch because we would love to hear from you. The show is produced by Niall Williams and brought to you by the Coach Education Department of the Camogie Association. Thanks again for listening. Till next time.